0: Know your name, I swear I do. It's on the tip of my tongue. Sorry, what did you say? I know. Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I am Lori LeBay, the founder and host of Alzheimer's Speaks. And I just want to thank you for joining us today. I'm also the daughter of a mother who lived with dementia for 30 years, and that really was life changing for me, and that's why I created Alzheimer's Speaks was to raise everyone's voice so that they can connect get connected to the products, services, and tools they deserve, and to also connect them to other people. Living in the trenches with this disease, both those diagnosed um, professionals and family members i think need need a support supportive community to help uh, not feel so isolated and alone so so welcome today. Our job here is really we see ourselves as very advocacy based and providing multiple platforms so not only do we have the radio show, we have a blog. I do something called Dementia Chats, where I interview people, um, kind of a panel of people living with dementia. We get their insights. I do speaking and training across the, the country. And I also help companies expand their brand footprint by leveraging our um, our platforms. And so... I can't thank our audience enough. You see, your likes, your clicks, your shares have really expanded our footprint in the arena of dementia and caregiving. And I, I again, I can't thank you enough. You see, your likes, your clicks, and your shares um, have have really mattered. Even though it doesn't seem like you're doing a lot, you are doing a lot because there are people in your spheres of influence, in your Facebook friends, your Twitter tribes, your LinkedIn colleagues, um, whatever social media platform it might be, there are people in your community that are dealing with this that maybe haven't talked about it yet because there's such discomfort. And every time we push more information out, it becomes more of a normal thing. People don't feel so isolated, and when they're ready to jump in and get more information, they can so again, I, I hope that you'll continue to um, share this content with with your community and your family and your friends and colleagues. I also want to invite you to be a guest on the show, because like I said earlier, everyone's voice is welcome here. We really believe truly that none of us can do this alone, and it takes all of our insights to really tweak and provide the correct services for everybody in family and living in communities, or maybe they're living alone, uh, so that we touch all bases. And if you would like to join the conversation, you can always call in to 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. Now, before I introduce our guest today, I also like to just give a shout out to a few companies that I just adore. One of them is the Roberto app, which measures brain function through video games. And um, it's it's just a wonderful program. You can find more information by going to alzheimerspeaks.com and right on our front page, you'll see a um, graphic in the right hand column for the Roberto app It'll also give you a, a discount code So you can do an extended free trial On this by putting in that code to test it out And see if it's something you're interested in And then uh, the women's Alzheimer's movement And Move for Minds are both the brainchild of Maria Shriver's And she is doing fascinating things because she knows that there's a big difference between the number of women versus men who are getting dementia, and she is really focused on trying to figure out research-based. Um, why is that? And so that we can get a little closer to a cure. And you can find out more information about Maria Shriver's network by going to the women's womensalzheimersmovement.org. That is the women's womensalzheimersmovement.org. And um, next, I just want to give a shout out to Provalence with care to plan They have a dementia resource directory, which is just in beta testing right now. And if you'd like to find out more about that, you can go to, uh, again, alzheimerspeaks.com and just click on the big resource tab to find out more information there. Now, let me introduce you to our guest today because we're going to be talking about caring better for a loved one with dementia. And we have a gal with us today who um, is an occupational therapist and an advocate for improving the way we provide care to our our aging uh, population. And her name is Jennifer Franza. And she is the founder of the Caregiver Concierge, which is all about empowering families. And caregivers or care partners, care companions, whatever verbiage you want to use, by providing accessible services and resources to make the process of caring for another a little bit easier. So welcome, Jennifer. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Lori.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And just thank you, really, for what you are doing. Um, It's such an important uh, thing to provide resources and just having this radio outlet for listeners is really just so important and special.
0: Well, thank you. I Like I said, it takes all of us. And today we're going to talk on some topics about self-care and transfers and different um, ways to engage people with dementia. And I can't wait to get to that. But um, first, I always like to ask my guests if they have been personally touched in their own sphere of influence of family and friends by dementia. Yes, I have.
1: Um, at my my mom and her sisters were care uh, caregiver for their aunt with dementia. So I kind of grew up with that um, and seeing just the process of how things change and how then the dynamics change within the family. So kind of getting both ends, the caregiver aspect and just watching um, a person in your family uh, changing as the disease progresses. And then Mm -hmm. obviously professionally um, I have, I've, had experiences with many families who are experiencing the same thing. So I have the background from, from both sides. So I do have a little bit of the personal um, experience as
0: well. Okay, wonderful. Now, uh, if you can explain people, because it's always nice to know kind of your background regarding dementia, but then also you're an occupational therapist. So what exactly does an occupational therapist do? Um, Because that'll give people a little more background of where you're coming from.
1: Yes, I love that you're asking that because I just think it's important for everyone to know because sometimes I get the question, "Well, what do you really do?" because I've heard that OTs do this or but once you know, we with children it's a little bit different. So, it's really good to just kind of explain. So, an occupational therapist, we We are focused on occupation, so really any task that you need to do within your day, whether it's getting up and getting dressed, doing something at work, doing something in a leisure activity. Um, So really throughout the the age of you know zero to 100 plus, anything that anybody needs to do in their day. So, So we're rehab focused because we'll work on balance or endurance or anything physical, but then we're also focusing on any kind of task and what it entails to perform that task and things that might. Need to be changed um, In order for somebody to be able to participate
0: Okay great So things would be like like Grooming or driving Or just getting in and out of a chair Or um, I, I mean the cooking All of those types of things Just it, it, We don't I think always look at Everything we do As an activity You know a lot of times I think people think When, when they think of dementia They think of an activity as a art project or a music project or something to keep somebody busy. But in your sense, it really, it, it, it encompasses everything we do, every, every task, every motion, really. Is that, is Absolutely. that correct? Okay. Absolutely.
1: We say activities of daily living. And like you say, that's really anything in your day that you need to do or that you want to do, really.
0: hmm Okay, wonderful. Well, you know, one of the the first things I think everybody wants to know when you're dealing with somebody with dementia is communication. How do you how do you communicate with somebody with dementia? Do you need to do it differently? And if so, do you have some tips for that?
1: Yes, absolutely. And we do need to do it differently because with dementia, there is obviously a change in a person's communication and there is a, there's a breakdown there. There's a loss sometimes of physical speech and words or a way a person understands incoming information or even their ability to respond to information. So really as the caregivers, we kind of need to take the responsibility upon ourselves to look at how we're communicating to our loved one or whoever we're caring for. And so we may need to really change the way we're having a conversation um, because it might not be the same way we used to speak with that person. Um, you might not just be able to go in and start conversing in the same manner. So when we look at what we're doing, we might need to add in um, different ways of communicating, whether it's words or actions or body language. So in kind of like our rehab and in my, our OT world, we use the word cues. So how are we cueing someone or, or showing them what we want to do? So that can be verbal, um, but it also can be something like visual or tactile. So an example of what this means by cueing, let's say you're ready to go out and you have to bring you know, your mom to a doctor's appointment. And now time's always a factor. You want to make sure you're there on time. You're not running late. Sometimes we are in a hurry and you need to get your loved one ready to get out of the house. So, okay, mom, let's put on your coat. And whereas that, you know, 10 years ago must would be responded with a get up and let's put the coat on is not the same anymore. So you might need to add in some visual or tactile cues. So maybe you're bringing the jacket with you to your loved one. You might be holding it open, like if you can imagine holding it open, like you're going to help someone with their coat on, And now you're pairing this with the verbal cue of, okay, we have to get ready to go, and we're going to put your coat on and maybe even a gentle tap on the shoulder or the wrist to say we're going. And now you're kind of setting the mood of here's someone's looking at a coat. They see that you're touching their hand. They need to, you know, kind of move their arm to initiate something. So you're you're helping in ways that's not just, uh, you know, we have to go and put on our jacket because that might not, translate in with the person in the way it once did. So you we need to sometimes change the way we're saying and doing things to have better responses from the person that we're caring for.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important for our audience to understand how we have to look at all of their their reactions, their nonverbal and verbal reactions. So we're so we're so easy to say and using the same code example. Um go grab your coat You know, and and not even say in the closet, maybe you do or maybe you don't, and thinking that they're going to go find the coat, they're going to put it on, they're going to meet you in the garage, hop in the car, where that's way too many steps. And then a lot of times people won't know what a coat is anymore, even if you tell them to go to the closet, they might not know what the closet is, or they might not. They might know the closets there, but might not know they can open the door I mean there's lots of different pieces and everybody with dementia reacts differently, so it's really up to us as care partners to watch for all of those signals because I would imagine anyways with my mom this happened we had to adjust our style of communication, you know as the disease progresses, and um you know there's not a And my belief is, and and again, if you um, have other thoughts, please say so, but there's not a a right or a wrong way. There's not a dot to dot. This is how the progression is going to go for your particular person. Is that accurate?
1: of course, and even the examples that we that I'm sharing here today, you might have, you know, you might feel like, oh, this is really exciting. Let me go try that, and then it might not work right away, or you might have to even change a little bit of the way you're doing it with the person that you're caring for, because it is true, everyone's different, and everybody is going to react to things um, in a different way. But these are general guidelines that you know can give you an idea of how to start changing your communication. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've even I've had so much success even with just like an out stretched hand to initiate communication because that's something that's so, um, it's just built into us. We've, uh, since we've grown, you know, you're a handshake or that's an initiation of communicating with somebody. So sometimes like I know me, sometimes I can be loud. I'm from New York. I'm coming in and, you know, you have to even change the tone of the way you're speaking. You can't, you know, come into every, to every conversation loud and expecting people to be ready to accept that. Um, sometimes you have to, you know, just, almost let them um give you the okay to start communicating um and like i'm ready to hear or i'm ready to you know to interact with you so we do have to change our body language and the way that we talk and we have to be conscious of that so like i even did say it is it is funny because i i am i i am can be loud and i can talk fast and i have to really think about that when i'm talking to somebody and speaking to um to even just family members i have to down what I'm saying, and, you know, sometimes I have to adjust my tone and be conscious of that when I'm having conversations with with people.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, too, when it comes with a person with dementia is, you know, we can't holler out from behind them. We should really be in front of them so they can yes. read our lips and our facial expressions and see our gestures, because they're still picking up on all of that stuff, even Absolutely. if Absolutely yeah even as the disease progresses and they might not be able to speak i think that's a big mistake people make thinking that a person with dementia isn't taking information in right. when they're not able to respond the way that they they once were so great thank you wonderful tips um how can people make it easier for their loved ones when it comes to self care it seems like there's so many issues when it comes to taking a shower or a bath or getting to rest. Do you have some some tips for people there?
1: Yes, and there there is a lot around that. And
0: sometimes the shower or the bath is like, you
1: know, the, the conversation that I hear from so many people that causes so much stress. And some of it, you know, I do want to go over some um, tips too, but to continue off what we were saying, some of it starts from just, um, not the conversation, but the communication piece of it, how we're presenting the task to the person. Um, Mm -hmm. So the just, okay, it's time for a shower to be met with, well, I already did one today, or I don't have to, can just wind up going in circles and circles. Um, So sometimes it's the way we just even bring it up. Like, you know, Mom, remember when you used to wash my hair? Um, like that like I want to I want to do that for you today or I got this new soap I really want you to try it this smells great or dad um, you know I have a new shaving cream or something that's just setting up the um, experience to not just be like we have to get in the shower and have negative associations Um, it can be a sensory thing sometimes for people too so we have to just consider how we're setting up you know, the, the, the activity really, I know we say, like we explained the difference between the words activities in the beginning, but it's really how we're presenting it. So you don't want it to be too cold. Um, You don't want, you don't want to, so you have to think about those things. Can we have like a warm robe once we get our clothes off before we get in, we're making sure the temperature of the water is nice. Sometimes even just the feeling of the water on the skin sometimes is too much for people. So mm-hmm. putting like a towel over them while they're in the shower, so the towel is going to get wet, but it's going to, um, it'll decrease a little bit of that, that sensation feeling. So really just how we're going to set up the experience for the person we're caring for so that it, it, it's a little bit more um, like you know exciting for them to, part- to participate in.
0: Yeah, it's it's not like, All right, you haven't taken a shower in a week. You're getting a little ripe here. Come on. <laughs> you know, and then right. you're putting them down. And I think so often sometimes we come across like that. And you know, when you were talking about sensitivity issues, I'll use my mom for an example. She used to love the water and all of a sudden she hated she just hated the the water. She couldn't really do the tub anymore. So then we went to the shower and she would just say, It hurts, it hurts. And and I came to find out that as we age, no matter what size we are, we lose our fat pads. And so her nerves were more sensitive. And so we switched to a handheld um, rain shower and started at her feet and then worked her way up instead of, you know, there you are standing buck naked and over the head and in the face. And exactly. you just have all of those, all those things that we don't. We don't think about that because that's how we jump in the shower. We just start. Exactly. But, but our mind is able to process what's happening. And for right. somebody with dementia, you know, as it progresses, they might not. Um, what about... You know, in the beginning, in the earlier stages where someone's able to kind of groom themselves, do you have any advice where even just I know when I talk with people with dementia from my Dementia Chats group, they say, you know, I'll get in the shower and uh, sometimes I'll wash my hair five times because I don't remember if I washed my hair. So they come up with kind of systems to remind themselves until they have to have full assistance with. Do you have any ideas on that or?
1: Yeah. So I think like setting up a routine. So let's say you, so for example, you just said, I'm about forgetting about the washing the hair. So um, you want to, even if somebody's helping, uh, even if you're helping your loved one set up the routine and you're kind of planning it out. So maybe they have the shampoo um, in one area of the tub when they get it, one area of the shower, when they get in, and maybe they put it down in another area of the shower when they know they're done. Um, Or they just, you get in the habit of doing it in, the same way each time. So maybe if they know they did their hair first, then they're going to the next part. So now by the time they're washing their body, they know, well, if I'm on my body, I've already done my hair. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Or maybe they do their hair and then they clip it up. Or, um, you know, for for men that would be a little bit different. But um, as something that's going to give them a reminder or, again, coming into a routine so that it becomes cyclic and then they know if I'm already on this step, I've already completed um, a prior step and not getting lost In that um, Have mm-hmm. I done this already
0: Yeah I know some people have said I, I do my shampoo and then I put it on the Opposite side or I or I set it down Right so then, then that reminds me I have everything there or um, Like with a young child when you're Washing their hair They're so you know you they don't want the soap in their eyes so some of them will get a washcloth to put over. I mean that's a simple thing we can institute with an adult or use a cup instead of right. a shower head or um or even just adjusting the type of equipment if you have a shower head that's, you know, um stationary You know, having those handhelds, those are lifesavers. It is. And I think
1: that that was a huge point that you brought up because that's that's exactly what it is. For us, we don't think about that. We hop in the shower, it's on our face, and we don't even think twice. But it's really understanding how the dementia and the disease is changing the person's responses to things. So Mm -hmm. like you said, for your mom who always loved water. Now you have to change things a little bit because for her, that felt like, you know, it might've felt like pellets coming onto her where you wouldn't even have thought of that. So we have to yep. really listen to what our loved ones are saying because, and think that this might be different. Um, another thing that changes too, is like our safety signal. So I, I'll, I have a story of, I once walked in, I was working with a client and I walked in, it was a client that I was familiar with, so I I would just come in the house, they knew I was coming, and um, they were, he was in his chair, and his family was around him, and I could see that they were trying to get him to do something, and I walked in, and he was, you know, in a a mess, he had, um, in the chair, and they were saying, dad, you have to get up and go in the shower, you're sitting in a mess, and he was like, no, I'm I'm fine, and that changes too, our smell, like, we're not going to smell like a foul odor and know that something's wrong or that we need to get clean so you know we have to that's how we're communicating too and just understanding that just understanding that this person really doesn't know right now that they're sitting in a mess and for us this just became like a situation that we wish we could skip but understanding that they really truly don't don't have that awareness right now so, I kind of came in, and again, it comes into the play of how we word things to people. So, we were trying to get him up to get changed and go in the shower, and that wasn't where well, that wasn't being processed of we have to take a shower. So, I was like, oh, well, I'm doing the laundry for the week, and I would really love to um, get your clothes if I can so we can put the laundry in and then we could be done. And like that wound up working, and we were able to, you know, then once we had clothes off, now we can, you know, easier segue into the shower. So, it's really yeah. just about taking a minute to. To think about how can we say this differently And understanding that things are changing Senses are changing, the perceptions Are changing, and we have To, um, you know, have have a Sensitivity to that
0: Well, you know, one of the things you mentioned was Even about using that I am doing laundry, what I found Was a lot of times they want to Be able to help, so if we give them an Excuse to help us, then it's Not focusing on them Or they're not able to do this, or they Can't do it the right way, or you know, it, it's not about that. It's it's about them lifting us and supporting us. And I think so often in relationships when someone gets um chronically ill that just be even because of the word caregiver, you know, it tells people that they are kind of giving it all away, there's not much to get back, it's it's on their shoulders and it puts them back in this relationship based piece. That says no matter who we are No matter what condition we're in We can always give and receive We can always support one another It might look different than what it used to right. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist And so I think I think putting it in that perspective really helps I remember going out um, to dinner with my mom For example, when she We'd, we'd get to a menu and she couldn't pick or she would order and then it would come and she's like, I didn't order that. And so finally I just got to the point of, mom, I can't decide, can we split a couple of things? And then I figured by everything we got, something she would like, you know, and we'd, we'd all be okay with that. And yes. she loved being able to do that. You know, Right. It just... Uh,
1: and you were shifting the focus to say, can we do this together? Or can we, you know, or I don't know what I want. So can you just, can you, do you mind having a few things? And it's yep. like, of course, she would be happy to do that for you. So it is. Yep. I think that's a great point um, because no matter what you say, like no matter what condition and as the, as the disease progresses, there is that, um, you know, pe- people are picking up on our tone and our, our words and everybody's always wants to, to, to help, especially somebody that they love.
0: Exactly. Now, one of the other big issues that, that people run into is is falls. You know, balance can become an issue. Again, not for everybody, but I mean, just even as we age, um, making sure that your your home or, or your living space or or even where you're visiting is safe. Um, because there's so many little things I think that we can do to help prevent that from a physical thing. But then I'm sure that there are Exercises and different different ways we can approach to assist that could um, help prevent falls too. So why don't we why don't you give us some tips on how do we prevent falls and, and keep our loved ones safe at home?
1: Yes, absolutely. Because this really is important because you know falls can lead to so many other um, medical complications so it is really important to try to prevent falls as best we can so you first want to just look at the environment that your loved one is in um, their home wherever they are If they're or have they um, moved in with you or are they living in their own home still just what does their environment look like is there a lot of clutter are there things that they can trip on um, and then sometimes you know we get in the habit of okay remove clutter so we're just, we just start moving things but in that person because that is still there it's still there are things that a lot of it has meaning and value to someone so um, I do I find that to be an important thing um, to mention because I feel like one of the top things when we speak about fall prevention in the homes is to remove clutter and fall hazards and you know kind of scan the environment and see what you can um, change but you have to but keep in in mind that to just don't just walk in and start moving things because you want to involve the person. And maybe we're just moving it and make it more of like a decorative change. Oh, Can we put this here because it might look better in the room or do you think this will look better over here? And now we've just improved our walking path, but we haven't just walked in and completely just changed um, someone's environment. Um, Wandering can be a thing. So while we're on walking paths, just making sure that if there – if your loved one does have the tendency to wander that there is a safe place for them to do that within their home, whether it's there, if they do go in the backyard or they are in the, you know, just in the house that there is a safe kind of path that kind of goes hand in hand with the clutter um, that our carpets don't have, you know, the edges coming up or if we have throw rugs down or welcome mats or little carpets in the kitchen that, there, you know, I'd sometimes like to just get rid of those altogether because those can be um, a fall hazard. But if somebody's really attached, that they're at least non-skid, um, that our saddles between rooms and transitions are, are smooth and not broken or, or um, shifting. And then if our loved one is using any kind of walker or cane, that they know how to safely use it and kind of negotiate different um, Surfaces in the home, whether it's wood floors or carpet, linoleum. um, If those surfaces change, same thing with stairs. Are they still doing stairs? Do they have to go upstairs to their bedroom or bathroom? Um, Are there adequate and safe handrails? Do they know a safe way to negotiate the stairs? Shoes too. Thinking of going up the stairs, um, it's something that sometimes we don't think about all the time. And I know, like, we get attached to certain pairs of slippers or clothes that we wear in the house, but really making sure that they have a good pair of of shoes on their feet that have a back and have a good rubber um, sole and that aren't going to slide off um, or cause a fall. Um, And then, um, let me just think, I'm trying to go like room to room in a house. Bathroom is a place where a lot of falls um, occur. I know we just spoke about kind of um, showering and bathing and things like that, but raised toilet seats. If your loved one's having trouble getting up and down from a toilet, a lot of the newer toilets are just naturally taller, which is great, but some of the older homes still have the very low toilets. So if you need a raised toilet seat Um, and that if, if you notice that your loved one is starting to grab onto things to get themselves up, you don't want them grabbing onto like the soap dish in the shower or the toilet paper roll that there's, Grab bars, or you know, a, there's a sturdy grab bar there for them. Something that has been installed with the intention of being pushed up on or pulled on, um, because you know there are people that have fallen because they were holding on to something like a towel rack or a towel bar, um, rather than something that was there for them. So really, uh, putting yourself in the person's environment and seeing how physically they are moving through it, and what changes there need to be made so that you can you have to kind of anticipate could a fall happen in this room could a fall happen here look around like I said really watch how your loved one is negotiating through their environment um, so that you can
0: kind of preemptively see what could be a, a hazard wonderful oh you named so many things that I want to talk about um, this is wonderful in terms of you know removing the clutter susan sachin who was just uh, she lived with dementia but i'll never forget interviewing her and she she talked about the declutter and she had a wonderful personality and a great sense of humor and and she said don't take my stuff what you don't understand is every piece i have is a memory Right. And I'm losing my memory already. So you have to be really careful about what you take because that will cause me stress. And stress can kick into, you know, anxiety and and making people get off kilter and, and having bad days and behaviors and all kinds of jazz. And so um, I, I think, you know, when you said maybe placing it someplace else or just helping them process exactly what you're doing so that you do have paths that are clear. When I sold real estate, I remember going into a few homes where literally I had a long coat on in the winter and I was knocking stuff off as I walked because their piles were so high. And um, some people live like that, you know, and so you're not going to clean that out in a day. (laughs) Right. And it's definitely a process. And you talked about making sure that they have, you know, safe paths to to wander and feel free to walk around because that is you know pacing is is pretty common with many um you mentioned the shoes um my mom for example she loved wearing sandals you know once she retired and she had her floridian shoes and she was gonna wear her sandals and those were so not safe for her anymore you know she didn't have strong ankles and she you know was just wibbly in general when it came to her walking paths and so we ended up Having to really convert her into tennis shoes And then tie shoes didn't work Because she couldn't do those And those could be a tripping hazard So you know, it was the Velcro Because they had to be kind of a slip-on, slip-off thing um, The rugs uh, You had mentioned With, um, with the floors um, I, I've heard so many people Tripping on rugs And so I'm like you I really suggest those get out And cords can be a big issue Because yes. we plug everything in Nowadays, yes. you know, and so that's another thing Or or floors that can get slippery easily Especially if, you know, like I live in Minnesota So we, you know, have the snow and the rain and things like that Or um, the color differences, too can, yes. can throw people for a loop with their depth perception And right. so, so, um, so,
1: go ahead Oh no, I was going to just add in, yes, you can put like contrast tape on the steps Or if you have two surfaces where it's changing a little bit, but the floor coloring is similar, um, you could put contrast tape down there. And the tape, if you stick that down, you know, it's like a thick um, duct tape. So if that's sticking on the floor, it's not going anywhere. Um, and you know that somebody's going to be able to, that's going to give them, we use the word again, cue that something's changing here. Or, you know, that I'm seeing that and I'm not going to just walk over it and then have a fall because I tripped and missed it. So that was a great, I'm glad that you brought that up.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, speaking of color too, I think of of toilets. You know, there's colored toilet seats. And so a lot of times the guys don't want to sit down, they've always stood up to, you know, <laughs> urinate and they're going to continue, damn it, if they hit it or not. <laughs> and so all of a sudden right. the floor is slippery. And right. and they take a fall or somebody misses the seat because everything's white. Everything exactly. blends in, you know, and if you've got a white bathroom and a white floor with a white toilet, um, just because of our aging eyes as we get older, that, that makes it more difficult for people, too. So there are there are things that can help, or even light switches. I know that there's different color um, panels you can get so people can find them, because maybe they won't turn on the light because they don't know where it is. Right. And, um Um, Or sensor lights at night, I know, can be really helpful just out to the bed or night lights so that there is something to be able to guide somebody. Um,
1: And there are the night lights, like you say, that are sensor that as soon as it's dark, they'll go on because mm -hmm. you don't want your loved one not putting the night light on, whether because they're forgetting or they think they don't need it. Um, You know, if it's just automatically going on and it's in the wall and plugged in, you know, because... falls happen at night and people get out of bed at night and you get become a little bit disoriented. You're just sleeping, you get up, I have to go to the bathroom or all of a sudden I really have to go to the bathroom. I'm rushing to the bathroom. Um, you know, and it's in the dark and I just got up and I'm still a little bit like half asleep, you know, falls can happen more easily than, than we, than we think sometimes.
0: Yeah. And you had mentioned, you know, about the, the, the showers and stuff too. And just, you know, a lot of times I think, you know, you don't know what you don't know until it's too late sometimes. So, even just getting maybe a shower chair, maybe standing yes. is safe in the shower anymore. And like you said, having actual um, support bars is huge because people do, they grab those tall bars inside and outside and they're trying to pull themselves up or right. they're holding on to maybe even a little cabinet that's a portable and they right. both and- jump over. Right. Um, because there, those things aren't meant to
1: handle body weight. Like, you know, like yep. you said, some things are portable. So and, and sometimes it can be an argument from your loved one. I don't need that. And so a lot like I kind of feel like this is a catchphrase sometimes with bathroom equipment. And I'm telling people just if you, you know, I'd ra- rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So sometimes I've been able to convince people to just get a shower chair and put it in the shower by them thinking, okay, well, I don't necessarily need to use it today, but it's there, you know, just in case because you, you know, and, and sometimes that, that logic um, does work because you don't want to, you know, put yourself in a situation where God forbid you said, okay, well, I could have had that and it would have, it would have made all the difference.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, and for people who have tubs, you know, lifting those legs up over the tub where you can just sit down and scoot over. Right, the tub transfer bench are like, yeah, yep. and like
1: you say, some people don't even know what these things are. As an OT, um, like this equipment is, you know, some of the first things we learn about in school. And it's like I, I, I feel like one of my missions is to make some of these adaptive equipment things just like common knowledge, the way we talk about our phones or our computers, because sometimes people see them and they're like, Oh my God, I didn't even know this exists. Now my loved one can get in the tub. I don't have to either redo the bathroom or they were just sponge bathing because they couldn't get into, into the bath. And now they have a way that they can get in and their feet, their feet really haven't even left the ground. You know, they've sat Mm -hmm. and they've, they've had a safe place the whole time. And it, it really changes, changes things for, for, for people. And it's important.
0: Well, and a lot of times we don't really know. I remember with my mom, she'd come over to our house down the main floor. We had a pedestal sink. And I remember going in there one time with her and seeing her as she's bearing down on that thing to help get her off the toilet. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's going to rip off and it's going to be like a like a fire hydrant just going in my house, you know. It was like, but you don't know that stuff if you're not observing it. Right. uh, Because everybody wants to be independent and you have to be able to do that in a respectful fashion. And, you know, some things that they they have are are very decorative now. They blend in. It's not just one color, you know, to be able to pick from. Um, And um, another another one that I think people aren't conscious of until sometimes it's too late, even just uh, around maybe your kitchen table, rolling chairs. You know, people have those chairs that roll, and somebody who's not stable can go to sit in, and the chair goes zipping behind them. Exactly. And, and I, I, yeah.
1: mm-hmm. somebody that doesn't have any balance problems can fall in a rolling chair. You know, yep. you know, anybody you know can go, and and the chair tra- chair rolls away. And I know people like them because they say, "I can." Well, then I don't have to get up, and I can move around the kitchen. Um, actually my grandmother used to use a rolling chair all around the kitchen and it's like, it's scary sometimes. And you're like, no, no, you cannot use this rolling chair. <laughs> so then, you know, to change, we wound up, she then had to, she would use the wheelchair cause she knew she could lock it. And that was a, and so that's kind of a compromise I come to too. I, you don't, you don't like to encourage the wheelchair too much if somebody doesn't really need it. Um, because you do want you know you still want your loved one to be active um, mm-hmm. and if they can be and if you know physically they can be up and walking around you want them to maintain that that muscle ability um, but at least the wheelchair you can lock those rolling like desk chairs or whatever are like go a mile a minute sometimes.
0: Yep, yep, that's for sure. Well, and that comes to, you know, I wanted to kind of get into details of getting, you know, in and out of a chair or in and out of a bed. Um, that that seems to be a really um, tough one too, because I think as family members, we have no idea how to assist maybe without hurting ourselves or them, you know, because right. it's, you can pull on their arms and, you know, or you could lift and, and then pull out your back and, um both in the floor I mean there's all kinds of of ways what What do you suggest for transfers you know out of a chair and and out of bed definitely um uh, you know, different. There are different
1: medical conditions and um, things that that might have one person position their body in a different way. And transferring can really become like person specific. Um, so if you really have are having any specific questions about your um, your own scenario, sometimes you do you would really want to consult like a physical therapist or an occupational therapist. Um, but general rule of thumb you're transferring out of chair is you want to have your loved one scoot up to the edge of the chair a little bit. They're not going to get up just like nobody's going to get up from sitting all the way in the back of a chair. Um, You're going to want to scoot forward. And then you want to pull your feet so that they're behind your knees. You don't want your toes and your feet sticking out past you know, out in front of your knees, if you can understand what I'm saying, because then you, if you have like your feet outstretched, you're not going to be able to to get yourself up out of the chair. And then what we like to say is nose over toes. So you want your per, your loved one putting that their nose like they're going to put it over their toes so that they're leaning forward and their momentum is going to go forward and up. If they're, some, So many times when I'm working on transfer training with somebody, they're trying to shoot straight up out of the chair. And they're not going anywhere because they're trying to pop straight up. They have to have that momentum and kind of push forward. So if you, you'll be surprised if you really line up correctly in a chair and then you push up from the arms of the chair. Having a chair with arms makes the world of difference too. Um, Mm -hmm. If you don't have a chair with arms, you can push up from have somebody push up from their thighs or hold like underneath the chair a little bit under their tush. Um, But if you if you align your body the right way, it really will make a difference. And you kind of, you sometimes need a visual component with what I'm saying. So if you really have any, if you have any questions, you can probably even Google like nose over toes, but you just want to think about like if you're sitting in a chair that you don't have your feet out in front, out in front of you, that they're pulled back behind like your Mm -hmm. knees. So you're not really seeing them. Um, and then, like I said, really visualize that like your, your nose or your nose is going forward. Um, like it would be going over your knees and toes to kind of push up and out. And then with your hands, you'll push up from the arms. And, and counting, too, can be something like one, two, three, because then you're preparing and you know on three the person's going to get up. So then even if you're giving them a little bit of a boost, you're not pulling them on two and they're going on four. You know, you're, kind, you're both on the same page. Um, it's transferring is really starting to get where, like, as the, the, care, the care partner, which I like how you term it, um, it, you're really feeling the stress on your body, then you want to think about your body mechanics, like, are you bending your knees? You're not really not, – don't bend at your waist. Um, you're keeping your spine neutral. But you really want to, at that point, I would suggest that you be consulting with maybe see if you can get some PT or OT Um, in the the clinic, ask ask your loved one's physician because then if you're really starting to, what I love is doing um, like family training so that you're not just working with maybe the one um, client, but you're having everybody involved and you're really training everyone. And I think that's so important. So I think if you're really starting to notice like, oh my God, my wrist is hurting, my arm is hurting, I feel like my back's hurting, then you really need to um, try to you know, see if you can seek out some services that you can, um, some will even come to your, you know, you can have therapists come to your home. This way you can really figure out the best way for you and your loved one to move. But those Mm -hmm. general rules of thumb, um, you know, for getting up out of a chair are kind of general for everyone. Uh, There is something like called a transfer belt, which you can, um, you know, that kind of helps you have your hands on, on somebody, but that would be something you'd want to have, um, you know, somebody train you in using and same thing with the bed. Um, there are different ways and you, you know, you might need to have some one-on-one kind of guidance with that, but rolling on your side first and then pushing up to a seated position versus just trying to get your loved one to go from laying flat to sitting up can help. So if you imagine they're laying on their back, you have them rolled rolling onto their side Towards whichever side, left or right, they're getting out of the bed on, and then pushing up as they're bringing their feet off, um, can be helpful in getting up out of bed.
0: Well, and I would imagine even you know sometimes it's really um, to your advantage to get like a hospital bed, the one that lifts up, you know, or chairs that lift. So yes, that the chairs are lifted. Yes, neither of you are Absolutely. getting strained, and it's easier on on everybody, and they're feeling a little bit more independent. Um, versus just being tugged and pulled around or, um, you know, I learned so much just watching my mom in the nursing home as, as her um, dementia progressed and, and even just, you know, having that extra sheet underneath her in bed so that they could help position her, you know, cause you yeah. could not always, you know, lift her. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how, how much easier things can be done, but you have to ask. Because other people right. have been down this path before you, <laughs> and there's some right. great, great ideas and, and tools that people can work with. How about? Um, I can't believe we've only got about 10 minutes left. Uh, 13 minutes left. What are some some ways that people can engage their loved one in in really meaningful activities? Do you have
1: some ideas yes. for that? That's a, that's a good question. So we we've, we've set activities as far as like things that we have to do, our grooming and. Um, anything like that. But there are things that we want to do in our day or enjoyable things that are activities. And, you know, as the care partner and the person receiving the care, you don't want everything to be revolved around just the things that we have to do. Um, you know, it's important to have some sort of leisure or social or just fun thing in there too. Um, so really if this is going to be kind of like the transfers person dependent um, what did the person what did that person really enjoy doing or still enjoy doing, and then how can we continue to have them have them do that so even if we have to change the task a little bit, maybe they were once like an expert woodworker and they might not be doing um you know crazy furniture projects anymore, but maybe you're doing like a family project, and can they help you know um, instruct you know help with like certain tools you can give them to maybe do a screwdriver? Can they drive a screwdriver in, um, to drive a screw in, rather, um, or anything like that, that you can just have somebody participating in something that really was meaningful to them. Are they a knitter? Are they a baker? Can you, you know, make familiar recipes? Um, anything that's going to kind of get you involved in something that, that I know I'm saying meaning a lot, and I hate to be repetitive, but th- these are our memories, too, and things that, that really tug at the heartstrings and that make us happy to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, even if we have to change the way we do them a little bit, how can is the way we're going to really encourage somebody to participate in something is if they enjoy it. If it's not something that they like to do, no one's going to want to do it, regardless of if we have dementia or not. We want to participate in things that we enjoy doing. Um, so, so really just reflecting on that and, and being able to do something together that you both enjoy doing for, you know, just the smiles and the fun.
0: Mm-hmm. And I I think sometimes when there's a chronic illness people forget about the fun and the funny and and just peaceful, quiet times, you know, that right. can really bring um contentment. It's not always about being busy. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh Julianne um Bigham, but she has uh she has a book that she put out. Now she's done a workbook um called Creating Joy Filled Visits. In midst of Alzheimer's, and it's just a nice little packet. I know when she sent it to me, it was all these bright colors and stuff, and I couldn't wait to like get into it because it just looked like fun, you know. Um, but simple, right. easy ways to to engage, and again, people don't have to cook a whole meal. Um, right, they can just do part of it, you know. or Maybe it's helping set the table and and placing, you know, just the forks or whatever. Um, right, but. You know, or but or the familiar smells or, and just
1: all of that mm-hmm. right
0: exactly it just all ties
1: in and then it becomes a it becomes a moment for you and for and for them, yep. they're like you know they're smelling the you know the recipe that they, was once maybe their famous apple pie, and like you said, they don't have to bake it from scratch, but maybe they participated in in part of it, you know, and mm-hmm. then everybody will eat it <laughs> so yep
0: exactly exactly um. Well, this has just been fascinating um conversation. I so appreciate you taking the time today. Is there a particular um story that just sticks in your head about how how being conscious and, and you know and aware of how to assist somebody, how maybe it changed a, a family's um experience, I guess. Um is there one think, that just sticks up?
1: Yeah, I th- I don't know if it's necessarily one um you know one like day or um certain thing in general but you know in working with families like i can say and one one family that i can think of in particular is just practicing how how you communicate and really think i think if we anything we said today is recognizing that the disease is changing is changing certain things in the person, whether it's the way they feel the water in the shower, the way that they smell the things, the way that they know what um, they're being aware of. And just, just knowing that and being able to keep, um, as the care partner, ourselves positive and calm in situations where you know, because it's going to happen. They, there's, and I think that's what resonates with me most in in my experiences. You know, there are situations that you're after having. You know, maybe you're working yourself, and you come home from a, a stressful day, and then something just happens that you know. That's human nature to get frustrated and to feel like, oh my God, overwhelmed, and does this, this really need to be happening right now? But in by really being able to be mindful of the fact that okay, this is really how my loved one is perceiving this right now, and getting in, get, getting on it, you know, on that level with them, and understanding that, and trying to keep yourself positive. I think in working with families and having them understand that, and knowing how to change the way that they're saying things um, to their loved one, really has benefited their the whole experience because they're able to avoid some of those situations where it can feel overwhelming because now the communication has just become a little bit more smooth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to um, throw out too, uh, because we just have a little bit of time here. Do you encourage people to incorporate music at all into, you know, if they're having a difficult time maybe with their loved one? I just found that it was easier sometimes to get my mom to do something if she was in a good mood and, and music usually got her in a in a better mood if she was having a yeah, rough day.
1: Yes, absolutely, and you know that's one of the things I even suggest as an activity to do. Put on, you know, now it's the holidays, so what's the what's your loved one's favorite? You know, is it the Bing Crosby? Like, put it on. It's gonna it's gonna give those memories, and it's gonna it's gonna touch a person the way you know certain songs touch us. And doing that, it's just, it will lift spirits a little bit, and it can make things easier. You know, I think. It can go either way some some people becomes a sensory thing they don't want you know certain music it they don't like the way it sounds so or think about the volume. but I think for the most part, music can be very calming and but if it 's not music, maybe it's a smell or maybe it's like um, you know a lotion or just something that you know the I think overall just maintaining that positivity within ourselves as the care partner and what we're exuding to our loved one, even if we're, it's hard, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy some days when, you know, things can feel overwhelming to, you know, always have a positive face on. But I think by really being mindful and trying to keep ourselves positive, our loved one is feeding off of the energy that we're putting out and it takes more energy and so and. Thoughtfulness to sometimes do that, but the overall outcome then of the day might wind up being easier. Like you said, it's easier to to do things um, when your loved one is feeling happier or feeding off that positive energy.
0: Oh, definitely. And I think that that's a, a big mistake that we all make is we don't we don't think that they're reading our nonverbals and we're not even aware of our nonverbals because right. we put on that stepford wife smile and we think we're hiding everything but they're right, picking right. up on all the rest of our body language and and then they mirror it back to us and then we get mad and say well they have an issue and a lot of times they were perfectly fine till we walked in the door and no it's true so- cause
1: agita- you know frustration will be met with frustration it's not going to be met mm-hmm. with like you know happy go lucky you're right
0: Yeah. And I I think the other thing that, that we as family members do sometimes too is we get stuck into our patterns and the way it's always been. And holidays is a perfect time for us to really get stuck, especially in traditions. And instead of bending the rules and modifying um so that everybody can get to that moment of joy or calmness faster we fight it and then we're building the frustration everybody's frustration now and and you know we're, we're, we 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 kind of get in that circular pattern instead of i i think to me one of the biggest gifts of dementia is teaching us to be more fluid and yes. more open to being able to do things in different ways. And Absolutely. in really focusing on, you know, not not necessarily the task, but how we do the task. And and getting back to the, being relationship-based. And, and I was the worst at that. I was really task-oriented with my little checklist. And, and I think a lot of um, care partners are like that. You know, we make our list and we have to do it. We got to check it off, and we have in our brain how it's going to get done and when it's going to get done. And we don't really like anybody getting in our way of that. And sometimes, if we would get out of our own way, it'd get done a lot faster. It might just be in a different order.
1: <laughs> you know? I think you.
0: I couldn't agree with
1: you more. You are so right, and it's so true. And I was just. I think it was last week. I don't. Might have been last week or the week before. But I was writing a post on social media just about what you said about you know our traditions at the holidays we have to have the mindset of we can change them um and that's how we make new traditions sometimes we don't our our instinct is we don't want to change it because this is how it's always been but it's going to make the experience so much more enjoyable for everybody if we just maybe change a few things and and that's really an important token and to reiterate i think especially you know with the next week and the holidays coming up and if you are listening and you're feeling stressed to really just know that you can change, you can, you don't have to do it the same way that it's always been done. You can change uh, some things if it's going to make it easier and it's, it's probably going to make things, you know,
0: feel a little bit, a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. For everybody, agree. Well, Jennifer, Frances, thank you so much for spending time with us. And if you want to reach out to Jennifer, you can uh, contact her by email at jennifer at caregiver-concierge dot com. That's jennifer at caregiver-concierge.com, or you can go directly to her website, www.caregiver-concierge.com. And again, the links are right there for you on the web webpage. Um, thank you again so much for being part of the show today. I really appreciate your time and, and all your wonderful insights that you shared with us.
1: Thank you, Lori. It's really, truly been so exciting to do this, and I'm just really happy to have had the opportunity to speak with everyone today. And, you know, happy holidays to everyone, and thank you for
0: listening. Thank you. In wrapping up, I just want to give a shout-out to um, Kathy and Tammy with the Silver Dawn Training Institute. You might know them as Dementia Raw. And they not only train professionals, but they also uh, have a program now for families. And you can uh, see more information by going to cdcsdementiaraw.com. That's cd csdementiarod.com for more information, and then I want to give a shout out to Calendar Cards, who has a memory system to help people stay as independent as possible um, on their own. They've also created the Memory Cafe Directory.com, which uh, is a free directory that you can look up uh, where a memory cafe might be in your area, or if you have one and you want to be listed, they would be more than glad to do that. There's no charge. And I also want to shout out to the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. They take a holistic approach to dealing with the disease, and you can go to Alzheimer'sPrevention.org. And please don't forget about visiting Alzheimer'sSpeaks.com. We have all kinds of free resources uh, for you at the ready there. Have a wonderful holiday season, everyone, and we'll talk soon. Bye now.